Unfiltered opinions. Unfiltered opinions. On and away from sports. From personality, Gaurav Arora. You're listening to Gaurav's Takes. Welcome to Gaurav's Takes, and it's the first episode back with a new name and a new logo. I'm glad you can join me, and I'm thrilled to be broadcasting again to all the fans the show has accumulated on podcasts and social media. Today's episode is an interview with Turner Sports and NBA TV's Bo Estes regarding the approaching resumption of the NBA season. We discuss the upcoming landscape for the rest of the NBA season and answer your questions. This is an interview-styled episode, but join me next week for more of a conversational episode. Enjoy the rest of the interview in the next segment. You're listening to Gorov's Takes. All right, now joining me on the show is Bo Estes from NBA TV and Turner Sports. Bo, what's going on? Uh, it feels like I'm getting ready to go back to work, man. It's It's been a while. Uh, I've told you before, I think. I don't know if I've told you on the air, but I was on television the day the NBA shut down, and mm-hmm. we started the day like it was a normal world, and now here we are in July getting ready to resume an NBA season. Yeah, I mean, and the fact that this is all in a bubble, it's so crazy. There are some crazy stories coming out of it. I mean, you see the living situations for these players, uh, like bass tournaments down there, guys shotgunning beers. <laughs> I mean, it's like the wild, wild west down there in some ways. But in many ways, it's working very well, it looks like. I mean, where are we right now in this bubble period? And what have you seen recently? Well, so what what happens, and I, I've got a friend who's in the bubble himself, but uh, what's happening with the players is that they all came there. They're in the bubble now. All that can be, like Russell Westbrook, who's tested positive, has a few steps to go to get into the bubble. He needs two negative tests. But uh, if you're in the bubble, you're being tested every single day. Uh, and, you know, they're trying to, I guess, keep, have this idea of, if everybody keeps testing negative and you keep it locked down really, really, really well, uh, then you should create a safe environment. I've, I've talked to a couple of doctors and uh, they say that players are no question safer in the bubble than they would be in the outside world. Yeah, sure. I mean, you can't even get delivery food there. It's eight to 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> Doc, right there. You That's see right. that? That's, That's- right. The structure is working, and it, it, credit to Adam Silver there. I, I know we were talking the other day, boy, from an NFL's perspective, uh, you know, Adam Silver for Roger Goodell. Oh, my God, give <laughs> me that in a heartbeat. But um, the big news, uh, you mentioned Russell Westbrook. The big news is him testing positive for COVID, and now Zion Williamson also leaving the bubble due to a family medical emergency. I mean, we— Hope all is okay there, obviously. But the time frame returning for these two can be tricky. So what's the procedure for both players moving forward if they want to return with their teammates? So what happens? Russell Westbrook tested positive. He's going to have to, when you're in the bubble, you have to go 14 days minimum. You're out. And then you have to have two consecutive negative tests. 
So that's the way it goes. Now, for Zion Williamson, it's a little complicated because if he's gone for longer than seven days, he has more strict return uh, quarantine period. If he's gone for shorter than seven days, he can come back relatively quickly. Uh, but he's still going to have to quarantine. He's still going to have to have negative tests. Um, we don't know. Look, the, the New Orleans Pelicans have been pretty quiet, and, and that's totally fair. Uh, he has a mm -hmm. family emergency. I don't even know that it's medical. It just said family emergency. So uh, here's the thing. We don't know when he's going to come back. We don't know if he's going to come back. But we do know, you know, if it gets to seven days, it's going to take a little bit longer. And we do know that the season starts up on July 30th. And we do know there's not that many seeding games. So mm -hmm. New Orleans has to track down Memphis to get that eighth seed. And I work in television and I work in media. And I can tell you, that's a dream matchup. New Orleans and Zion <laughs> against LeBron and the Lakers. If that happens, there's a lot of happy people in the world. But it's it's going to take some doing to make that happen right now. Well, from a broadcast, I'm glad you mentioned that. From a broadcasting standpoint, then, what is going to change? Like, what? I mean, obviously, no fans. That has a major impact on the game, uh, not just for players, but for entertainment purposes. But also, in terms of a viewer, what am I seeing that's so different this time around? Well, it's, obviously, it's not going to be in the big arenas that you're used to seeing. You'll hear the players' voices more. Uh, you know, there's going to be, I think, some ambient sounds that they pump in. But the, the challenge is uh, it's it's not going to look quite the same. Uh, I don't know that that's necessarily bad. You were out at Summer League last year, and, it you know, you mm -hmm. can see even practices and stuff like that. It can be not as loud as if you've been in the arena for a playoff game. It is loud. This yeah. is not going to be like that. The players will have to carry the emotion. Uh, so I think it's going to be fascinating. It's different from a television standpoint as well. Uh, you know, the people that I work with will be working differently. I, I can tell you, even even silly stuff, it, well, it sounds silly, it's not silly. Uh, in a TV production control room, you know, let's say we're doing Inside the NBA. There is on this thing we call the front bench, uh, at the very left, there's a technical director. In the middle, there's a producer. Just to the right of him, there's a director. And just to the right of him, there's a technical director. That space is cleared out more now. There's fewer mm -hmm. people in that room. And what they're doing is they're using multiple control rooms. So even from a television production standpoint, people are taking health precautions. Um, at down at the uh, at Disney, ESPN has a center set up, and they will be producing games. And what's going to happen is, this is going to get into the weeds a little bit, but there's going to be something that's generally you can think of as a world feed. Yeah. Uh, they'll produce it, and then other people can call the game. So it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. It's it's a little bit honestly like an Olympic experience that I've had in the past, uh, but. People want sports, I think. I, I hope. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't think people want anybody to get sick. But um, I, I, I imagine that this is going to come off well. Uh, the basketball tournament just happened, and it did very well. So I can imagine this working well, well too. What is the justification for the NBA having a season right now? Is it because they truly want to crown a winner, or is it because they want to maximize their profits? Yeah, so I think there's there's a few things involved here. Is there a money por portion to this question? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a money portion to this question. Uh, the league could lose tons and tons of money, and this is a way to get some of that back. So remember, all of these decisions are made in conjunction with the players' union. 
The players had to sign on to this. The players know that if we don't come back, it could be devastating to their salaries, uh, not just you know necessarily a salary cap impact that you'd learn from Larry Kuhn, but the league <laughs> has an option to just opt out of the contract through force majeure. So uh, and then they would be in a wildly advantageous position in a collective bargaining sense. So sure, there is the um, the money component, and that's real. Uh, there's also the you're right, crowning a champion. I think that's important. I think. Uh, you know, gives these players an opportunity. There's, you know, look, if you're LeBron James, he said it before, he's trying to track down Michael Jordan. That's what he's trying to do. And if you take this season away from him and he's 35, you're taking away a huge opportunity. Now, that's not the reason, but in LeBron's mind, that's a bit of the reason, I bet. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that competitive side. Uh, there's also the side that this is, this is wonderful for uh, fans to have some distraction in this wild world we're living in. Uh, there's messages of social justice that players get to take advantage of. Jeremy Grant did a wonderful job with that yesterday. So I think, I don't think that there's one reason you can pinpoint, but if you want to say, Bo, is money one of the reasons? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's one of the reasons. It's yeah. definitely one of the reasons. Well, speaking of money, and this isn't directly towards the NBA, but for uh, television studios, the sponsorship, we are talking the other day about sponsorships and the money coming in from that, and it's low, isn't it? Well, so here's the thing. You have to think about it in the overall economic picture. I believe I just saw something today that the United States economy in the second quarter contracted by 37%. Just think about that for a second. That is mm -hmm. a massive, massive contraction. So there is less disposable money to play with. Uh, that means not only do people have less money to spend, it means that big corporations have less money to spend. Uh, they would be wanting a better value. So, you know, if you imagine what our ratings are a, a, in some sort of an equation, how does that equal out into how much advertisements cost? I'm going to tell you now that even if the ratings go up, the advertising you know, costs can't be as high because people can't afford it. It just changes the economic picture. So what what's tough for the TV people is, is also being felt by the players, by the owners, by the, mm -hmm. certainly by the fans more than anybody else. So I, I think it's just, I think it all sort of funnels back into the overall national and let's be honest, global economic picture. As disastrous of a situation COVID is, uh, I've seen, other things to come out of it, like in the National Football League now, what they're going to do, especially even if there are fans, I think the first eight rows of the stadium will have all advertising on them. Yeah, well, I tell you what, I think that's pretty smart from the NFL, uh, the the advertising picture, at least think about a like a European soccer game along the walls that surround a, a, an arena are these advertisements that are constantly being piped out there. Uh, the NFL is not going to have fans, but if you imagine the, sort of the game angle camera that you're used to seeing at the start of every play, that has some of the stands from the opposite side of the field in it. So if you if you have advertising in every single shot, you can make some money. You know, you'd prefer to have fans there, but why not be smart? Why not be uh, a little bit nimble and make some money there? People are going to have to get creative to make money back, and that's that's what it's all about. Is, is trying to float for a year or two. I'm I'm always intrigued by why, you know, if we suppose that the vaccine is coming 
I heard a Pfizer CEO said as early as October. That seems ambitious to me, but let's say it December, January. Seem is optimistic, what yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. October seems optimistic, but let's say December, January, February. I don't know. And look, I'm not. I'm not as well versed on the NFL, obviously. It is a spring option just off the table? What does that do? Does that crush you? Because I wonder how big the fan slash game day transactions are in the overall piece for the NFL. Because if you could get post-vaccination virus world and get the fans in there, but you just have a spring season, yeah. I don't know what the downside is other than just you, you sort of screw up your calendar. Uh, perhaps there's stadium rental stuff that that's involved. And then the other side of it is, how quickly can you turn around for next year? Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's going to be interesting. Um, and these are all answers, you know, we don't have. But it, sure. it's going to be it's going to be really fun, at least just to see some action returning, as you said, for the fans and for everybody involved. I'm sure, you know, for you keeping yourself a bit busy now, right? <laughs> I mean, that's going <laughs> to <Yeah>, be. <laughs> uh, it's I, wild. Emails from work and say, hey, are you ready to start working again? And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. That would be great because I've just been doing, you know, very, you know, not nearly as much. Uh, I work for the NBL over in Australia. That work is done. Uh, I work for Sports Business Classroom. As you know, that's that's pretty mm -hmm. heavy duty right now. We've been hosting shows every week, but that's one day a week. And, you know, the other stuff is a couple days a week. But the NBA is my bread and butter and the WNBA is a big part of that, too. So when those two come back simultaneously, I'm going to go from nothing to just jamming like crazy all at once. So I, I, I honestly look forward to it. You like questions, by the way, right? Love them. OK, well, lucky for you, we have over 100 plus questions <laughs> sent in from our audience. Now, we narrowed it down to five. Um, we're going to ask you some of them right now. All right. Cue the music. Yo, Pierre, you want to come out here? Zuzi on the track. All right, Bo, first question. Won't Ben Simmons take another three-pointer this season? No. No, he will not. Uh, and it's interesting to me that he's going to potentially be playing the four. But, look, I saw him shooting some set shots. I hope to God Ben Simmons' future is brighter from outside. But I just think that his confidence is so shaken right now uh, that I, you know, I worry about that a lot. Why is, before, <laughs> I don't want to get. See, you're already frustrated. Look at you. I don't want to get on a tangent on this, but the problem is, is like, why? Why do you think that is? Like, this guy, and it's human nature to do this, to focus on your strengths rather than your weaknesses. But if you don't attempt to at all develop your, you know, what you call weaknesses, they're never going to become your strength. So like, you know, shooting three pointers is great if you actually shoot them. Like, I don't care if you make it, but at least keep the defense honest and jack one up every now and again. And you might be surprised at the result. Like this guy let is. Give you, let me give you an opposing perspective on this. Ben Simmons is the number one pick in the draft. He's been an all star. He feels like I've what I do well has gotten me to this point. Now, you're right. Most people would have the self-awareness to say, geez, let me turn this weakness into a strength. And, you know, I saw some video of him the other day shooting set shots that looked pretty good. So, you know, I said no as my answer, but I wouldn't be totally stunned if he if he took a couple. It looks remade. And what I would hope is people use this time during the pandemic to absolutely develop skills like that because NBA yeah. players have the money 
to sit there and work at their house on their skills. So if Ben Simmons can sit there with no cameras looking and just shoot all day long for five hours a day and come back with something, what a revelation that would be for Philadelphia 76ers fans. If ben, imagine if Ben Simmons comes back a 35% at volume three-point shooter. The whole franchise's trajectory, the whole future yeah, of the NBA changes. You are 1,000% on the head there, but I'm not even talking about the team. I'm just saying him as a player is vastly improved. And all these comparisons we've heard since he's drafted, you know, that he could be the next whoever, you know, will actually be true if he can develop somewhat of it, at least a mid-range jump shot. Close your eyes and imagine him with a 35% three-point success rate at volume. What yeah. does that look like, Philly fan? What does that look like? It looks like a championship. It's that simple. It really is. If, that's, if he did that during the pandemic, and we don't know, maybe he did. But if he did that, the whole trajectory of the franchise and the NBA changes. So the second question here is, which team will win the NBA Finals? The LA Clippers are going to win the NBA Finals. You heard it here last year at uh, Sports Business Classroom, and you'll hear it again here now. The Clippers are the champions. Uh, there's just, here's the thing. I think I think the two LA teams do very well in this thing. I just like the Clippers' depth over mm -hmm. the Lakers uh, in, in this long stretch. And depth's really important because as players are gonna go down out of nowhere. Uh, you know, it may be it may be a positive test. It may be an injury, but the the Clippers have a depth that the Lakers don't have. The other side, I guess you could talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. They're really good, but but my pick, flat, no question about it. The LA Clippers. What's your biggest under the radar team for the postseason? We may we may have just mentioned them, the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, you know, you got me thinking about. What, what Simmons could do in that video of his shot I saw the other day. It could be them. The Toronto Raptors are the most underrated or under the radar defending champions I've ever seen in my life. They're yeah. really good. They've got experience. So there's a lot of under the radar teams right now that could do some damage. Uh, I, you know, I, I guess I would pick the Toronto Raptors just because they're the champs and they're under the radar. And that just seems impossible to me. We all know why. It's Kawhi's not there anymore, but they've got a lot of talent with Pascal Siakam and company. So I, I'll go Toronto Raptors. Do you approve of the NBA snitching hotline? Approve of it? Um, sure, but it is. It's uncomfortable, right? It's uncomfortable. Yeah. The, you know, you almost have to have it. But then you know, we know how the world works. We know how social media works. We know the jokes that are going to come from this thing. I think they had to do it. Uh, I think, but there, I, I, I would like to know, and I'm sure there is some sort of way to confirm as opposed to just like, you know, Joe Blow called and said that this guy was past the quarantine line and then, okay, he's gone for 14 days. Yeah. It well, there to has to be some internal yeah, investigation, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, There's yeah, no yeah, way yeah. I can no, just I... call there and and be like, you know, LeBron, <laughs> like facing sure, LeBron yeah. the next day. And I'm like, finals, and yeah, it's like I just saw LeBron bring two girls back to yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, LeBron was the roller coasters <laughs> with his friends. And so game seven of the finals has no LeBron. Sure, I don't think that works. But I think, 
You know, I think it, it works as a step, but I think there has to be investigation. Uh, last question for you, Bo, and then we'll let you off the hook and you can explain some of the things you have going on. But sure. I like this one. How will things be different with your job at Turner covering the NBA for the foreseeable future? Well, okay, so there's two pieces to that. One, a few years ago, we discovered it was easier for me to work from home than to work in the studio. So personally, it doesn't change that much. What does change, though, is how we produce the highlights. Uh, it's going to be more difficult to produce highlights remotely. So we're working right now. We're working early to get turnaround times down to where they were when when we were all working at 100% in a pre-COVID world. Uh, it's going to be challenging because we, we usually have a, a huge staff of editors, of loggers, of supervisors who are watching all this stuff uh, and, and in a studio and turning stuff around to us. That's not going to happen now. So uh, the biggest challenge is going to be from a production standpoint of these highlights of these top tens. How do we get them done as quickly as we normally did so that fans won't experience a blip in, in the production of these highlights and they won't look elsewhere to find them? Well, you guys are doing an incredible job, and I'm sure you guys are going to do a fantastic job moving forward covering the NBA. Bo, thank you so much for joining me. Tell everyone where they can follow you and what you have going on right now. Okay, so here, here's what is going on. At NBA Bo, uh, NBA B-E-A-U, you can follow me there. Uh, I have going on right now, we've got the Sports Business Classroom that you know all about. This year, it's mm -hmm. a virtual conference. It's August 10th through August 14th. Learn about the business of basketball in greater detail than you've ever imagined. Uh, sign up now. Go to sportsbusinessclassroom.com, and you can join us. And then, again, like I said, July 22nd, it's looming in my calendar right now. I start calling games again for the NBA, and my voice won't be the same about three days after that because I'm going to be busy, 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 man. <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait. You know, just we were talking earlier, but the normalcy that's coming back with all of this, I mean, it's not there yet, but it's going to be great to at least from a fan perspective just sit down, relax, and enjoy a game. So, Bo, we can't wait. Thanks for the incredible work you're doing, uh, and stay safe. Thanks for the incredible work you're doing, man. Keep it going. I'm proud of you. This has been a presentation of Gorov's Takes. Follow the podcast on Instagram at Gorov underscore takes and subscribe wherever you listen to the show.